0: Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. As a stand-up comedian, of which I am not, I tried it once. But you are hilarious, and I've been your fan forever. Oh, thank you. You know, I should say right now, I'm married, so I'm off the table. We could do weekends. Get your bullshit detector and get it honed. Are you mad about something? Go out and seek people who are mad about related things. And also listen to them if part of what they're mad about is you. You actually look for those little kernels of hope. They jump out at me. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the good stuff. I think it is the good stuff, and I think we need the good stuff, always. Welcome to Go Ask Allie. I'm Allie Wentworth and this season I'm digging into everything I can get my hands on just peeling back the layers and getting dirty. I don't know about you but I have a bunch of friends who are getting divorced right now. Some have children, some don't, some are 40, some are 60. We've also been getting a lot of calls and emails from listeners so you got it. This episode is about dating over the age of 40. Now I'm Knocking on wood, I've been married for over 20 years and so far so good. And I have a very strong feeling I will be with him till I die. But I have had other friends who have not had that kind of good luck. And I see them now. My gosh, I just saw a friend of mine. She came over to my apartment before she went on her first app date and she was shaking. Her hands were shaking and she kept saying, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. And I said, Of course, you don't know how to do this. You've been with the same person for 25 years. This is all new territory for you. And as she walked out the door to go meet him at some Italian restaurant, I thought, well, Thank God it ain't me. But also, I wouldn't know how to date right now. I would have no idea how to be my age, let's call it 50, and be out in the world looking for a partner. So to all the people out there over 40 dating, this one's for you. My guest today is... Is the right person for this conversation. Chantel Hyde is an author and expert on dating and relationships. Her 12 books and workbooks are meant to guide people through all the sticky stuff to get a meaningful relationship. Her two bestsellers are No More Assholes, which deals with the mate vetting process, and Fix That Shit, which focuses on emotional healing. She's also the author of Comeback Queen, Make a Triumphant Return to Dating After Divorce, which, well, seems pretty self-explanatory. She mixes science and spirituality for the basis of her expertise. Chantal Hyde. Hello, Allie. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. I know that you're due for a makeout with your husband anytime now, so thank you for giving me the time. (laughs) It's kiss o'clock at five o'clock. Okay. Got it. Got it. So- Uh, I'm sort of contemplating this whole idea of dating over 40, and not for myself, but I have suddenly found that so many of my friends are getting divorced, are divorced, some haven't been married yet. Now, when I was first dating my husband, George, dating apps weren't really a thing. This is over 20 years ago. So I never experienced the dating app situation you know, everybody that got into relationships met because somebody set them up or they met somebody at a bar. And now it's a completely different world. And I have one very good friend who just got out of a 25-year marriage who's never been on a dating app and she's pulling her hair out. I don't know which app to go on. I don't know what I'm looking for. So you are here to guide all the women and men over 40 in this new world world of dating in your next chapter or your second half of your life?
1: Mm. I am guiding them, honestly, from teenage years until 70s. You know, people ask, is this for me if I'm gay? Is this for me if I'm younger, if I'm 20? Is this for me if I'm 60? And I say, yes, because it's logic and logic is ageless and logic doesn't care who you love. Well,
0: that's good because I have an 88-year-old mother who just went to independent living and somebody slipped a little note under her door. And I thought, well, it's never too late, right?
1: It is rampant in these homes, by the way, because listen, this is like, this is it. This is our last chance. And here I am alone again. Maybe we have a lot of widows, a lot of widowers, and they're not dead yet. And they're going, hey, like, I still have some life in me and I still have some love to give and I still have a desire for affection. So they're very much seeking each other out in nursing homes. No, I would think
0: companionship is really key. You know, I, I would want it. To my last breath, for sure. Yeah. So let's pretend that I've recently had a very difficult divorce. And let me ask you, Chantal, do you tell people who are divorced to wait at any point to before they start dating?
1: So here's the thing there's no required grieving period, there's no required shelving yourself after a breakup. More often than not, a breakup or a divorce is a formality. The relationship has already been over. Hmm. Yes, I would say that
0: about my parents, because I was one when they got divorced. And I can't imagine that I wasn't cute enough to keep them together. (laughs) And of course, I found out years later, they were not in a good place even before I was conceived. But okay, so I'm, let's say, 50. And I don't know where to start because everybody I know is married. So how am I going to meet my partner?
1: So dating apps are a great place because it brings in a science we call the law of averages, which means if it's going to be a hundred people, if you need to meet a hundred people before you meet your one, if you're meeting one person a week, it takes you longer. If you're meeting one person a day, it takes you less time. If you're exposing yourself to 10 people a day, it takes you less time. Whatever your magic number is, the more out there you get, the faster you get to your person. When you say exposing
0: yourself to 10 people, I'm assuming that doesn't mean showing your boobs. You know, I read your mind. I read your mind. I saw that flash through your brain right there. (laughs) But what do you mean? Like just, just doing an online, hello, how are you? Like a greeting? Getting
1: online and creating a presence. And I understand that the biggest challenge to people online, especially women, and especially women who have spent 25 years in a relationship and are now coming into this environment is the scammers and the guys who are fishing for sex people who don't want a relationship but are just looking for hookups and so what we need to do is understand how to facilitate online dating for women because it can be so very overwhelming the guys are looking for anybody and so if you go online you are guaranteed to get a lot of people who are just looking for sex. And so one thing that I teach women how to do is how to create a profile that signals very clearly I am relationship-minded because often we think I have to look pretty, I have to look sexy in order to attract somebody. But you are attracting the ones who are looking for a hookup, maybe not necessarily the ones who are looking for a relationship. And so if you portray yourself not sexy, But doing something you want to do with the person you want to be with. I want to travel with my future partner. I want to go camping. I want to go to baseball games because I'm a fan of a particular team. Show yourself doing what you want to do with your partner because we want to create familiarity. We want to create connection with that first picture. Not I'm wanting to be looked at. It's look at me. I want somebody to do this with. And the person who is looking for a partner, looking through pictures, that initial picture, they're going to say, oh, I do that. And she's cute. I want to do that with her. Let me read her bio. And then what we do is we create a bio that is kick ass. (laughs) It makes them smile. They love who they are in their bio. And so- Once you've selected that picture, that's not a sexy picture, but you doing what you want to do with your future partner and you add some more in there. This is me cute. This is a body shot, like show them who you are. But that initial picture shouldn't be a thirst trap. When they get into your bio and they read your bio, it should trigger more in them. And so the next step for women is don't respond to anybody who doesn't make it obvious that they've read your bio. This is how we eliminate wasting time with the copy-pasters. And one of the things that I said, I have a lot of isms, Chantal isms. And something that I say is, I'm not looking for somebody who's looking for somebody. I'm looking for somebody who's looking for me. And so if you only reply to the people who respond to what you wrote in your bio, you understand, I think this person's looking for me. How do you decide which which app to go on. I mean, Bumble, eHarmony, Grinder. My advice is to get on as many dating apps as you can handle. But because you're following the rule of only replying to people who make it obviously read your profile and not wasting your time with anybody else, you are reducing the amount of time you spend on each one. Okay. All right. That's good
0: to know. Um, so since you kind of, you know, delved into this World of maybe they want you for sex, I worry about that too because there is something about certain women I've met, um, certain shows that I watched. And I think older women who are particularly lonely are susceptible to that kind of swindling, you know, which basically men or women who come in and are able to get a great amount of money out of you while they kind of pull at your heartstrings. You know, they get you invested in the relationship, they tell you they love you, and
1: then suddenly you're writing them checks these are predators and they prey on people who are weak and weak people in my language are people who don't have a strong tribe, who don't have people in their life who go, Ooh, Ooh, I'm seeing some red flags that you're not seeing. Just you need to not go down this particular route. And so I wrote a book called fake love need not apply because I want people to understand that there's posers, losers, scammers, predators, catfish out there who will take advantage of you. It's important to not fall for somebody long distance it's it's it, it's going to happen for some of us for sure but try not to because we crave companionship that's why we're looking for love and companionship is somebody who can be in our life to comfort us is somebody who can be with us and go to dinner with us and cuddle with us and watch a movie to me i think the romantics
0: have a tendency, the idealism of companionship and relationships, they seem to be more susceptible to, oh, I'm in love and I'll give him everything or her everything.
1: Is it the romantics or is it the lonely who are more susceptible to falling for people who cannot be close to them, because they're thinking, I can't find somebody here. So maybe somebody over there is going to give me the companionship that I want. And then we fall for what I call the castle in the sky, which is the dream that they've created in our mind, the story that we want to have come true. And I feel like it's really important to not fall for somebody over long distance because we do crave this companionship and we define it as our tribe, the people who are close to us, the people that we can see, we can touch, we can spend time with, we can have a meal with. And if, if we're going to fall for somebody over long distance, then the next Protection mode that we should have is to not fall for somebody we can't FaceTime with. If somebody doesn't have the ability, quote unquote here, to get on a phone call to do FaceTime with us, then maybe there's a red flag right there.
0: So speaking of scamming, I have a friend who has been online dating, and she started FaceTiming with somebody. They had a lot in common. They would play Scrabble online together while they faced each other. They had wine. And finally, when she met him in person, he was half the size of her. And She was shocked and felt bad that she was, that she was kind of being superficial. I guess, you know, she got along with him really well, but it's very hard when you meet somebody online and you FaceTime with them to get a real sense of what they look like, i.e. their height or their weight or their smell. And she was really taken aback and she felt somehow that he should have told her. And I'm wondering if you hear that a lot.
1: It falls under the category of what we commonly know people want. And it's a common knowledge that women typically want to date somebody who's taller than them, because we like to tilt up for the kiss. And it's common knowledge among men that if you're a certain height or lower, you have reduced opportunities with women because you're not, you know, there's an average height and you would want somebody to disclose that, Hey, by the way, I'm five, five. Yeah. Yeah. It's Hey, by the way, I mean, you always see me from the waist up because we FaceTime, but Hey, by the way, I'm an amputee, right? Like say something that is different about you from the norm. And would you say something that's different about you from
0: the norm right away? Or would you wait to have a few conversations until you felt they really saw you. And then you sort of said, and by the way, dot, dot, dot.
1: I would have a few conversations because I don't think we need to be superficial, Mm -hmm. but we do need to let people make an educated decision about us. So like, let's just say it was an STD. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying height is an STD. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying there's the norm and there's outside the norm. Mm -hmm. If you are outside the norm in any way, shape or form, then disclose that at some point. Wow. The STD thing. How soon should somebody
0: disclose that? I mean, in person or online, I think that's
1: an important thing, right? Right. I don't think it's important to disclose until you figure out whether or not you actually like each other. Right. And if you're going to be physical. There's there's a timeline for me with that. It's, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we start chatting, we get along well enough. We have a date. We talk about fundamental values, those things that need to align, marriage, kids. If we are aligned there, then we talk about the no kissing for three months dating rule. I don't want to kiss a stranger. I don't want to commit to a stranger. If I want to kiss a stranger, I'll go have a hookup. But when I'm choosing a committed a long-term relationship. I'm not going to choose that the same way. I choose a hookup. And if you're on board for the no kissing for three months dating rule, here's something you should know about me. Let's talk about the no kissing dating rule that you have. You're saying
0: no one should kiss for three months. Three months seems like a long time to me.
1: I'm saying I do believe that there is such thing as luck and intuition. And so this is a technique for the people who've had bad luck and don't have good intuition. And so like me, one after another, the relationships were bad. It was the, you know, the abuser and the cheater and the cheater, for the most obvious of reasons, my mom was abusive, we repeat what's familiar, even if it's wrong for us. And there are so many like me, I am common, I am so common. And so if you don't have good luck or good intuition, then you need a new method. And that new method is knowledge and insight. And you eliminate a lot of those wrong people with the no kissing for three months dating rule because selfish short-term thinkers want what they want when they want it. They lack patience. They lack impulse control. And these are the types you need to eliminate when you are looking for the right partner. What if you are dating somebody and you
0: both feel it? You both want to rip each other's clothes off, then go
1: for it, right? Well, here's the thing. If you wait three months for a first kiss and that feeling goes away, it was a flash in the pan. Good thing I didn't kiss him. If it's not a flash in the pan, what happens to that chemistry? You and I both know it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds.
0: So there seems to be a BC and an AD when it comes to the kiss, the kiss being the great Messiah. So tell me about that. Why is there so much importance placed on when the
1: lips touch? Oh my goodness. So there is a subconscious understanding on the man's part that when they get your kiss, they get your exclusivity. And so they want to get that kiss in ASAP. So you turn away other suitors, but it doesn't mean they want a relationship. It means they want our bodies and they don't want other people to have access. So the no kissing for three months data rule will help you eliminate the ones who only want the body because if they're not getting the body when they want, And that's the selfish short-term thinker. I want what I want when I want it. If they're not going to get it, then they're going to move on. So we go... Thank you for taking yourself out of the equation. But there's some more to that. And it's phenylethalamine. So we know oxytocin is the warm fuzzy that happens when we cuddle. We know serotonin is the happy that's um, actually produced in our gut, by the way. Always eat healthy whole foods. Um, and we know dopamine is the reward chemical. And so there's a heightening in this, regardless of whether or not we kiss because Mother Nature wants us to procreate. If we introduce that kiss, in addition to the heightened oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, when we add phenyl Ethylamine. When we kiss, testosterone is carried from the male saliva into the female's mouth. When you get that infusion of testosterone, our heart rate goes up. We produce phenylethylamine. It is an aphrodisiac, an amphetamine, and an antidepressant. Are you going to put yourself on crack in the presence of somebody that you don't even know? No. So why are we going to put ourselves in a chemical high? That makes us miss red flags with people we don't even know when choosing a committed long-term partner.
0: That's why prostitutes don't kiss, right? If I've learned anything from Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman, because then you feel too attached
1: emotionally. Kissing is more intimate than sex. And even men will say so. Yeah. And it's time for a short break.
0: right, let's get back to it. I want to go back to, this is obviously fun for me. Um, when you see somebody online, at what point is it safe enough to bring them into your home?
1: I don't like to say a certain number of dates because it is a vibe check. Yes. But it should be, you know, like you, you've you had some chats online, been texting back and forth. You had some phone conversations. Then you move into beverage and a walk. Okay. Beverage and a walk. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Public, public, public. Public, public, public. You do a couple of those. I, th- that's another vibe check level. During those beverage and walks, you're going to talk about fundamental values. Are we aligned? marriage, kids. If it's not aligned, end of story, move on. Don't fall for somebody who's not aligned with what it is that you want for yourself. If they are aligned, then you move into the conversation, but then no kissing for three months dating rule. Do they respect me? You would be shocked how many people ghost or just outright disrespect a woman when she says, I am setting the pace and I'm not going to kiss someone I don't know and then find out their shit. That's not what I want to do. So if somebody doesn't respect a no kissing for three months boundary, end of story, right? So, you know, I would say maybe after six, you know, two beverages and a walk. Four get-togethers, otherwise, couple meals, go bowling, go catch a show or something. And and just see if they said they respect the no kissing for three months dating rule, are they trying to get that kiss in? Because if they are, they paid lip service to respect you. They don't actually respect you. So don't go to their house. So it's interesting because I think the older we
0: get, you know, some of us get very jaded about relationships. And I think the older you get, the more set in your ways you are. And how do you speak to people who are older now, but they want to be in a relationship? So, you know, that takes patience. It takes the ability to compromise. And again, the older they get, it's
1: harder to do that. So do it your way. Who says you have to live together? And this is the beautiful thing that we're seeing emerging is women either saying, look, I'm done with relationships, period, because I'm done with bending to fit someone else. I'm done with taking care of other people. I'm done with complicating my life by adding an additional person who needs more time, attention, thinking on my part. And so there's, there's those people who are just like peace out on the whole deal altogether. And then there's people who are like, I'm just going to do it my way. And they have long, term relationships like they met somebody in their 50s they're in their 80s they're not living together they're not melding households they're just stay in your house I'll stay in my house we'll get together for dinners we'll have cuddle times we'll have sex we'll watch movies we'll do whatever we'll have sleepovers but go home yeah that's interesting I would imagine
0: that you know you get used to your alone time where you get to recharge which in marriage is not always easy so I think it's great. And I've heard a few stories of people that have figured that out, Mm -hmm. especially when they have kids, Um, which brings me to when you're dating, when you're older, chances are that there are children involved. And I have found that kids make it a little more difficult. They just do. They can. They can. Okay, so tell me, tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly about dating. If you have kids or
1: this person you're dating has kids or you both have kids. Right. And so it depends on the age. I came into my husband's life when his kids were eight and nine. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm coaching couples now where the kids are in their 20s. And so it kind of depends on the age, the maturity level, the level of care that the children need when they're younger. It's obviously much more. And it also depends on the attitude. Some children really feel like they own their parents and they own their parents' resources and they hate the idea of sharing. And so they can be a distressing part of dating if there is this kind of mentality on the kids' part. And there does come a point when, as a parent, you need to switch your relationship with your children from parent-child to peer-peer. And if a parent has not settled this relationship with their children and connected it now on a peer-peer level and the child is still acting like a child, then you can have some issues. If so the child is still living at home, right? He's a 25-year-old kid living in the basement, not working, eating mom's food. Uh, of course, somebody coming in who's worked their entire life and they're seeing this, mm-hmm. it, it is gonna ruffle feathers. And if you can't work it out before you kiss, it's not going to get better after kissing, so there certainly is room for conversation to work it out and say, you know, hey, like this is odd for me to see this, and and I'm wondering what is going to happen to your son eventually? Are they eventually going to spread their wings? Like, what is your plan for them? Do you keep saying you need to go, but you never follow through on that? You know, and so you you can have that discussion because the point of coming together is building a life together in some way, shape or form. And when do you think is the right time for someone to introduce
0: someone they're dating to their kids? Because, you know, you don't want to do that with everybody you date, because I think that would be
1: overwhelming for a child. So it, it depends on the age. Are you bringing home? Like, is is the goal to bring home a part of the family? Or is the goal to find yourself a companion? And, you know, we're... We're talking a lot about people over 40. So if the goal is like, this is my life, this is somebody for me. And if you don't accept them, that's fine. That's your problem. That's not a me problem. As my adult child, you're supposed to be living your independent life. And I get to live mine now because I've done my job. I've raised you into an adult. And so you get to do your dating just Make sure you pick a good person because no child wants to see their parents in a bad relationship. So if you want to cause issues, then just choose a shitty partner. <laughs> choose somebody great and then introduce them on neutral territory in a neutral way. If you are a parent of a child child and you're going to bring home somebody that's going to be part of the family family the introduction needs to be done before the kiss because your child needs to be part of the vetting process. Because one thing that I say, here's another ism, don't bring home a partner like you bring home a puppy. Hey kids, look what I got. I'm bringing you a family member. Accept the decision that I made.
0: Yeah, I I actually found in reading about this that there are some kids that can actually make the relationship impossible. I mean, there are kids that can actually cause so many problems, it's not
1: worth it to have the relationship. And that's that's the problem of the parent. And I'm kind of curious when you say that, that the child could make it impossible. What age are you thinking about when you say that? Um, the things I've read, they were kind of 8 to
0: 13. 8 to 13. Yeah. Okay. And were really cruel to the person who was brought in to the point where that person would say to their partner, look, I, I, this is crazy. It's me or them. Like, you have to do something. Or if the child was rude they would go to their partner and say, you know, at what point are you going to step in and say, it's not okay to treat me like that? Like those kinds of issues would then become so much for the person who was brought in. They would say, this is not worth it. I can't, I can't do this.
1: And this does sound to me like parenting issues. It does sound like the parents should be doing a better job teaching their children how to be respectful of people, the parents should be bringing home respectful people. And I think maybe part of the upheaval is what the hell are you doing? bringing home a family member without my input Mm. between 8 and 13 there's a lot of awareness going on and so again this is why i say introduce them in a neutral way on neutral territory and see how they get along see like hey we're going to the park my friend ellen's going to meet us hey we're going to the museum my friend tom's going to meet us there hey we're going to the beach my friend rick is going to be there too don't make lovey-dovey eyes at each other don't touch each other don't make it obvious you're courting each other in any way shape or form You're using the no kissing for three months dating rule. Take two months to get to know the person and also make sure that, um, you know, you've met their people. You have vetted them not only through the words they say, but through their people, because we are a product of the people we surround ourselves with. If their people aren't awesome, maybe there's a red flag right there. So take two months to get to know them and then introduce them to your kids in a natural way on neutral territory this is just somebody people say "Oh, i don't want people going in and out of my kids lives that happens all the time doctors teachers you know people that they go to school with it's normal you yourself have friends that come in and out of your life this is just a friend this isn't somebody in their mind that you're looking to start a relationship with because you haven't introduced it as a boyfriend which means you're not going here you go deal with my decision you're going hey we're going out we're going to have fun some friends are going to be there casual and then see how they interact right let them vet with you absolutely we'll be right back
0: and we're back Okay. So I have a friend who, um, got out of very, very abusive relationship. I mean, she barely got out alive and now she's saying to me, I'm on these dating apps. I'm going to start going out and dating. I don't trust my instincts. I don't even know what to say or ask. And I, I didn't know what to tell her, you know, and because she's, her radar is way off. So what can you say to women that are coming out of what weren't the best relationships of their life, and they're trying to start anew, but they actually don't know what to look for,
1: don't know what to say? Uh, this is what you do. You get her a copy of No More Assholes, which is the book that I wrote for women who are dating. I started off with meditation. I teach you how to meditate because Harvard did a study. They have people come in, do an MRI scan, and send them home for eight weeks to meditate brought them back, did another MRI scan. When they looked at the two side by side, they saw the brain change shape in two places. The amygdala shrank, that's your fight or flight, that's stress, fear, and anxiety. And the hippocampus increased, that's introspection and compassion. That is your courage, your self-esteem. And this is what she needs because, listen, being in an abusive situation, your amygdala is pumping every day out of stress, fear, and anxiety. Her amygdala is too big. She needs to shrink it down to calm her mind and emotion. Because when your amygdala is too big, it's hard to see things properly because your mind is spinning. It's overthinking, it's over anxious, over fearful. So we shrink the amygdala, we calm the mind, we calm the emotions. This actually, I mean, I believe in spirituality. Like when you think about a friend and a minute later you get a text message from them, that's spirituality. That is your frequencies connecting. And so when you calm your amygdala, you enhance your antenna and now you can send out a better signal, a clearer signal. So then I move them into self-assessment because again when you're in an abusive relationship you're punched down punched down punched down she needs to rise up because when you are low you pick from low because you don't know better and like attracts like when you elevate yourself you elevate the quality of the person you will attract and are attracted to another step is defining your next relationship Clarity is key. If you don't know what you're looking for, if you say, I'll know when I find it, that's called confusion. Again, like attracts light, you're going to attract a confused partner. You must define what it is that you're looking for. And I help guide that. And I also clarify the 12 character traits that help people understand the difference between a selfish short-term thinker and a generous long-term thinker. And I'm talking about the difference between a taker and an abuser and a contributor, somebody who will elevate you. Okay, what are these 12 character traits? Oh boy, you're going to make me give it away. Okay, (laughs) so I'm on TikTok all the time and I talk about the 12 character traits. They go, tell me what they are. I say, no, you have to get the book because I want you to have the education. Knowledge is power. But for you, Allie, I'm going to do it, okay? (laughs) Thank you. So the first one is validation. So do they get their validation? from other people, especially women, or do they get their validation from being a good person? So you get a point if it's for being a good person, no points if it's because you're getting your validation through ego strokes. The next one is jealousy. Are you allowed to have male friends? Again, they don't get a point if they're jealous if you have male friends. Um, You want a partner who's confident. Confidence is key because a healthy relationship has freedom and they need to be confident enough to not try and control you. I need to control what you wear, where you go, who you see. Another one is appearances. So are they flashy on the outside because they want people to admire them based on how they look? Or are they low key on the outside because they want people to admire them for who they are on the inside? I know you're, you're giving points to your husband right now. <laughs> um, so another one is selfishness. Are they a what's in it for me kind of person? Or are they generous with their inner circle? The next one is control. Do they try to control your resources? How you spend your time how you spend your money. Number six is responsibilities. Do they man up to their responsibilities? Do they take them on without complaint or do they complain and try to ditch their responsibilities? Next one is affection. Is it hard to get their affection? Do you have to buy them stuff? Do you have to do favors for them just to get hugs and kisses and cuddles? The next one is effort. Do they take on extra things in their life because they know the harder they work, the faster they gain? Or do they say no that overtime? Ah, I'd rather play video games. Next one is finances. Are they financially responsible? Because if they're not, you can't build a life with them. The next one is blame. Do they blame everyone else for the negativity in their life or do they take responsibility? And listen, we all have egos and our ego denies the truth. And so, yes, initially, when there's a a disagreement or a fight, we might deny the truth. But do they ultimately say, you know what? I understand I could do this better and I will work more on myself. Or is it always someone else's fault and there's nothing for me to change? The next one is paying. When you go out on a date, do they pay more than 50% of the time? We want generosity. I don't want a tit for tat kind of person. I don't want a scorekeeper. I want to be in a relationship where you're so generous with me. I'm running to keep up with you. I'm trying so hard to be as generous as you are. And so generosity isn't something we're scorekeeping. It's something we are doing in abundance in our relationship. And the last one is happiness. Do they want you to be happy?
0: God, these are good. I'm good. And I'm happy to say George checked all those boxes, so he's going to have a good night. Yeah. Um, I think that those are all little gems, really. And some of them I even thought, wow, I never I would never would have thought of that if I were making a list. That's really great. I would have added a sense of humor, but that's me.
1: Oh, abs- okay. So when people say, how do I know he's the one? I say the 12 character traits, the three Ps protect, profess, provide devoted and hardworking and makes me laugh more than anybody else. Yeah, it's just a big one. It's a big one. And there's definitely more that you need to know about this. And you can find all this out in No More Assholes, because I really get in depth of the sort of behaviors that you need to look for in somebody in order to understand if this is a person who's truly dedicated to you and building a life with you and the kind of partner that's a healthy partner. And what do you say to people who... All those things are there, but they're
0: not sexually compatible.
1: That can be taught. Oh, come on. Really? Oh, but... Allie, come on, you know how to say it harder, faster. Well, I, I'm fantastic in bed, so I don't know. <laughs> so um, a common question is that one. And also, what if we get to three months and he's a terrible kisser? And and listen, when it comes to intimacy, how your body likes it, you and I, we're gonna like different things in different ways. And, and so there's always a learning curve. Um, but with women, there's a higher learning curve because our bodies are built differently. And so there is something to learn about each woman. When my husband kissed me, he kissed me the way his ex liked it. But I like it different. And the kiss, you stop what's happening, but you don't break the intimacy. And you say in a very sexy, sultry way, let me show you what I like. And you show them what you like. I would imagine that
0: particularly people who are divorcees that have had, you know, a long marriage with somebody else, they kind of have to be reprogrammed.
1: There's that. And and sometimes we get into relationships and we do like we just go along with what the other person is doing because we don't know better. And so women who've been in these 25 year marriages and didn't, you know, doing it the way he wanted to do it, Now's the time for you to find yourself out, figure out what it is that you like, take some time by the blindfold, get the candles, smoke a bit of pot, take a shower, and just, you know, get into your body. And when you catch yourself doing what was always done to you, stop yourself and say, wait a second, what do I want? And start over and, and start figuring out how you like to be touched so that you can teach somebody else how to touch you.
0: It reminds me of the scene in the movie Private Benjamin. Goldie Hawn was married and so he had a bunch of not great relationships. And she finally has this affair with this gorgeous French count. And after they have sex, she says, oh, now I know what I've been faking my whole life.
1: Right. <laughs> it
0: just reminds me of that. Before we go, I seem to ask my guests a lot of questions, and now it is your opportunity to ask me a question. Anything you want.
1: Oh, what was the quality about your husband that blew your mind to put you over the edge? Well, the interesting
0: thing about my husband was, which is not the norm, I knew who he was. So I already had a bias against him. (laughs) And because I knew who he was, I didn't think I was interested. So when I met him for lunch, I thought, this will just be an interesting, you know, short story. I'll, I'll write about it. My date with George Stephanopoulos. <laughs> He's not my type. I'm not attracted to him physically. He's involved in politics. I hate politics. So I had. No expectations. I mean, truly, didn't shave my legs, didn't shower. Thought we would, you know, talk about the New York Times. And so, when I first met him and I sat down with him, I had a feeling, and the feeling was, oh, I'm with my people. Mm -hmm. Like I actually felt closer to him after lunch than I did with people I had had relationships with for eight to ten years. So that was the first thing that really hit me was the comfort I had with him. Yeah. Then I realized after the first date, I thought, oh, my God, I'm attracted to him. And then when we were, you know, after a few dates, I kept thinking, I cannot believe I'm attracted to him. Like he's not what I this is not on my Pinterest board. Those two things were the strongest. And it seemed very natural after two months when he asked me to marry him.
1: I was like, of course, TikTok. What's taking you so long? I love this. That sounds like <laughs> intuition to me. What was it about you? It sounds like he pursued you. He asked you out to lunch. There was something about you. You know, I think it was,
0: I was so different from the people he was dating. He, he, I think, had dated very kind of serious women. Um, I made him laugh a ton. I was not interested in His fame. You know, I wasn't like, why didn't you send a limo? And the main thing was, I didn't play any games with him. I didn't pretend to be somebody I wasn't. I didn't lie and say, like, oh, I'm dating all these people. I I just was like, this is me, take it or leave it. And if I give any advice to my friends, particularly older friends who are dating, I just say, life's too short. Just be your authentic self. Don't pretend to be someone else. And don't play those games and don't play rules and, you know, just if you show them who you are and they want you, then that's going to be a real relationship. If you pretend to be something else and then they discover you're not, it's going to implode.
1: I agree with the don't play games, don't play gender games, he should ask me out first, he should text me first, don't play time games, oh, I have to wait three days after a day before I reach out to them, you're right, a 100%, don't play games, and I love that you brought humor into this, because men think they have to be hot and it's like no you need to be funny though and uh, they'll ask you they'll say um you know i'm five seven i'm like doesn't matter are you funny and i'll say ladies do you want a hot guy do you want a funny guy? and then you see funny 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 like we want to laugh we it's it's listen babies don't need to be taught how to laugh it is part of our fundamental nature it is a human need and desire to laugh and my husband makes me laugh more than anybody else and i make him laugh more than anybody else and you and i both know if you can have a conflict-free relationship with humor and respect and affection it is magic
0: uh, I gotta end on that because that is absolutely true Chantal thank you so much for being on go ask Alley.
1: you are so welcome it is my pleasure my honor I think
0: Chantal has so many great points. And if I'm ever single again, which dear God, I hope I'm not, I will use those 12 character traits. The one thing I'm curious about is not kissing for three months because I think I kissed George after three days. Yeah, my third date. And also, and this could be gender prejudice, but I wonder if men can really stick around for three months. And what I mean by that is when you're over 40, You're very conscious of time and your mortality. And so waiting three months for a kiss could seem like a lot for some men. I'm curious. You know, it's a great social experiment to see if that actually works. And in fact, some of my friends who are over 40 and dating right now, I'm actually going to ask them to do a little experiment for me, because I would love to know if that, in fact, is a deal breaker. And if you do go out there and you are dating and you wait three months for the first kiss, come tell me on Go Ask Alley how that went. I'd love to know. Thank you for listening to Go Ask Alley. Check out our show notes for more info. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review the podcast and follow me on social media. On Twitter at Allie Wentworth and on Instagram at The Real Allie Wentworth. Now, if you'd like to ask me a question or suggest a guest or a topic to dig into, or you actually did the waiting three months plan, I'd love to hear from you. And there's a bunch of ways to do it. You can call or text me at 323 364 6356, or you can email a voice memo right from your phone to Go Ask Podcast at gmail.com. And if you leave a question, you just might hear it on Go Ask Allie. Go Ask Ali is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.